0: Dwells here. And then we by the pack, so we them. And even if you don't, then you do cause you cool with them. They be like I only went to school with them. Let's get it.
1: Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy too. My name is Andrew, I use he him pronouns. I'm and Asian. Ah, th- uh, I screwed up, sorry. My name is Andrew, I use he <laughs> him pronouns. I'm Asian. <laughs>
0: i'm bethany i use she her pronouns and i'm black
2: i'm chris i'm white and i use he him pronouns
0: why do we have to give andrew such a hard time every time he intros it,
2: we love andrew
0: why, that's yes why, why. <laughs> it <laughs> because, just feels right
2: yep <laughs> that's it
1: um, so um okay great we're uh so we're we're here all three of us are here in the studio
2: um and um yeah, well, welcome back, Bethany.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It felt so weird not recording with you all.
2: Did it sound weird, like not to hear your own voice in the in the last podcast?
0: So I had a moment when Andrew said, "Stay black."
2: More. Oh, I knew and then you there would. was
0: so much build up to it. He was like, "I'm going to do it." Like he was almost talking himself wow. into it. But I thought it was a, I thought it was a um, reasonable. Stay black little more. Okay, mermaid.
1: good. I'll mm. take was, reasonable. Yes,
0: it was reasonable. Right. Um, but yeah, I loved getting to hear you all talk to somebody else. It was an amazing yeah.
2: episode. So. Um mm, that was good. It was good to talk to Pastor Donna. Yeah. yeah. Um that's gonna go down as one of my favorite episodes. So definitely. Far. Yeah, for sure.
0: Definitely. And I appreciated the rest. I got to rest up, pack up, yeah, and then drive down or drive up to Western PA to see my family.
1: Well, good. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, mm-hmm. I think that was the first episode that you haven't been in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I thought I was going to get replaced by Pastor Donna. She's <laughs> great. You all's energy with her was great. Oh yeah, we were in. It love. was amazing. Yeah,
1: she's just fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: We had a really good time.
1: Um so speaking of previous episodes, we we do like to start off our podcast by talking about previous episodes. Um because of time I didn't get to explain why it was that I enjoyed We will not cancel us, uh the book by Adrian Marie Brown. Basically, it's a book It's a very short book written to movement people, Mm -hmm. basically about um, how cancellation can be a useful tool that isn't necessarily the most redemptive or transformative Mm. justice tool Mm -hmm. in interpersonal conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea of applying these principles of restorative and transformative justice to our interpersonal relationships within the movement, I think was really powerful i really liked that that book this idea that like we're all fighting together for this thing but sometimes when somebody screws up we don't treat them the way we want the society to treat people who do things that are wrong mm-hmm. yeah we default to pun- punitive ways mm-hmm. of treating people within our movement who mess up <clears throat> and then we cancel them and there's no path for redemption mm-hmm. and that's not a good way to be basically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we need to imagine different ways of even, even interacting with each other as we do this work. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I like, that seems like a very, like, I think that's what the church aims to do too. Like we, we start from a place of like, yeah, we're, we're messed up and we're trying to like, we know what grace has been given to us. That's what we're trying to extend. And it's, it's not easy. Mm -mm. Yeah.
1: It reminded me of that, of the, uh, the cancel culture episode. And I think like, (laughs) I'm, I've come around to your side after all this time. (laughs) Oh, it only took a year. Yeah. I mean, I, the idea that like, yeah, because in the, in that episode, I even said like, I don't know anyone who's in canceled who didn't deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, But yeah, I I think I'm, I think I'm with you. Like, um, like we should practice grace and Mm -hmm. we should imagine different ways of correcting people that are not just punitive. Mm -hmm. So,
0: And I think for people, for marginalized people who really like identify with or maybe latch on to cancel culture, I think latch on is the word that I want to use. I think it's a survival mechanism and it's something that we've been able to use as a survival mechanism to use in an advocacy sense over the last five years. Mm -hmm. So I understand why it feels appealing, but yeah, I, I like her title, We Will Not Cancel Us, because canceling us will not free us. Mm.
2: Right. And yeah. I
0: think that's something we always have to come back to, is yeah. what will actually liberate all of us.
1: Right. Uh, we'd like to hear what people are talking to us about in our Speak Up section. Well, this letter comes to us from a listener referencing something that we talked about in our Abolished Prisons episode. Um, they say, I love that question at the end of your recent episode, How Do You Keep Your Eyes on the Horizon? I think that's what you were wrestling with the whole time. What are we to do in this broken world that doesn't have any real solutions? I think our steps are always going to be shuffling and inadequate when we are working in the political realm, and the the only way that we can keep doing that frustrating, incomplete work is to have our eyes on Jesus. The difference in the Zacchaeus story, for example, is Jesus himself. Yes, let us persist in, uh, I think person was using text to speech or speech to text here because <laughs> it definitely persist. says lettuce yes. <laughs> Let us persist in technique in technique te- techniques and advocacy but i'm with bethany in her prayer lord jesus have mercy in our suffering i'm reminded of jesus blessings and woes in luke blessed are you when people don't understand you hmm. and malign you for your lack of common sense and refusal to live into the status quo imagination because that's how they treated the prophets before you and woe to you when everyone treats you right for your good sense, law, and order, no other options, solutions, because that's how they treated the false prophets before you. Yes, Lord, help us to keep looking up and beyond, because your future is inevitable. So, um, if, you, if you didn't guess that already, that letter came to us from, from past Ben, who was on the pastor's podcast, so I'm just going to say his whole name, Pastor Ben White, pastor of, uh, of the South Jersey Congregation. That's right. Resist and Restore
2: is um, the podcast.
1: But, um... You know what? I mean I uh I I I appreciate that. I I think for us specifically keeping our focus on Jesus <clears throat> is helpful for us in in believing and and maintain and keeping the faith basically yeah. in the work that we do. Um I one of the things I enjoyed about having Pastor Donna here though was that she she was able to root some of that big ambitious vision in some very practical things that are yes. happening in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah. So, how do we want to get into this? Um people have been asking us to talk for a while about the uh the idea of um women and gender roles specifically in a church context. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, I have kind of avoided this subject. I I, I feel like if you didn't know anything about Christianity and you just, like if any, the only thing that you knew about the church was what you heard from this podcast. And I do know there are people that are, there are unchurched people who don't believe in Jesus that listen to this podcast and enjoy it and tell me about it. So uh, so one of the things that I've avoided is this subject, which is the treatment of women in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Because for the most part, it has been pretty bad.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's a deep understatement. And yeah. this is a podcast that already talks about racism in the church. Yeah, yeah that's interesting to me I that know. you
0: never wanted to go into women too. Did you feel like that was just like too much? I just feel like
1: there are ways <clears throat> that um, that in 2021, women are still prohibited from uh, leadership or authority roles in the most churches in mm-hmm. most christian churches throughout the world like most of protestantism all of catholicism and orthodoxy uh s- straight sexism is written into the theology and structure of the church yeah mm-hmm. um which is kind of deeply embarrassing i think <laughs> you know that's how, kind <laughs> yeah. of how i feel yeah it's like right. we're here on a podcast talking about like LGBTQIA inclusion and like reparations but also like the rest of the church is like should women talk (laughs) (laughs) or
2: wear pants
0: yeah um
1: like that's where most of the church is which is really sad i I don't know what else to say yeah Yeah. it's really sad uh so i was interested in exploring that i guess because all of us grew up kind of in the church in different kind of ways Mm mm-hmm
2: very um, much so.
0: Yeah, I grew up hardcore in the yeah. church.
1: Yeah.
2: Hardcore in the church.
1: Me too. And for us, this experience of women being subordinated, be, of women being limited to certain mm-hmm. roles or people <clears throat> being uncomfortable with women in leadership roles, we enc- we've we encountered this in different ways, explicitly and implicitly. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, for instance, like I grew up pretty Pentecostal or Charismatic adjacent um as an evangelical Mm -hmm. and i grew up in a house church so for me even though i saw gender roles play out in my parents relationship my dad really emphasized the fact that he was like the head of the house for instance Mm -hmm. like i did also see women preaching prophesying praying um in like leadership pastoral roles and then when I went to in high school, I went. To, I started going to a PCUSA church with the head pastor who's still one of my favorite people. Pastor Sue Yoder um, was the lead pastor. Um, so I didn't know until like college
2: that that was abnormal. Hmm. That's a that's, that's an interesting tension, like because like I would think that the the strict men are leaders of the household would bleed into the the roles that you could have inside a church as a woman so it's really interesting to hear me like hear you talk about women who like are submissive in their homes but are leaders in their church i'm pretty sure there
1: was probably some behind the scenes stuff going on that i wasn't completely aware of like like the head pastor was always a man or like women were preaching with the permission of their husbands or something Mm. like that okay like there was there were ways that they could maintain Patriarchy while allowing very gifted people, yeah, to exhibit or inhabit their gifts. I don't know. How about you, Beth? What was your experience?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I was completely unaware of the idea that women weren't meant to lead until like <clears throat> after college, throat> actually, throat> mm-hmm. because I've only had women pastors growing up. Um, so the first church that I can remember um, was a church in Philly, and it was pastored by a woman. And most of the leadership team was women. Like my dad was maybe one of three men leaders Mm, at the church, mm -hmm. male leaders at the church. Um, And then when we moved to Delaware, it was the same thing. It was a pastor and wife combo. And then at Circle of Hope, Rachel Sensenig is my pastor. Um, So I've only had women pastors. My experience has been that women are pastors, so it's always hard for me to wrap my mind around Mm -hmm. people who are wrestling with whether or not women can lead Mm -hmm. because that's all I've seen. In fact, I almost like you know how most people, when they think of a teacher, they think of a woman. If they think of a criminal, they think of a black person. If you use the language pastor, I picture a woman every time. Oh, um, that's fine. I out. never picture a man. Yeah, that's interesting. If you said bishop, I would probably picture a man. <laughs> 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 yeah. But pastor, no. <laughs> I always picture a woman. Yeah. Which we don't even need to dive into that. All yeah. those layers. Right.
2: Um, I was just like... I I was thinking back to like my seminal church experiences and like where women show up in those um, in those pictures. And it's always in Sunday school. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, Like all my all my teachers were were women Mm -hmm. Um, and all the pastors and preachers were men. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm really kind of hard pressed to think of any other places of leadership. There is one exception. I'm thinking of one woman in our church who, who, who had two kids, wasn't married. Um, I don't know what this, what, like what her status was, but like she, she did inhabit this kind of unique place, at least in memory Hmm. where like she held some like leadership roles. Um, and kind of, like, was outside of that, that typical That's pipeline. That's interesting. She, but she wasn't married? She wasn't married. Uh-huh. Hmm. And now, I th- as I think about it right now, I'm thinking That's about... probably what gave her the flexibility to inhabit that role. I don't know what she wanted, but, mm-hmm. like, it seems like maybe one of the things that made it difficult for her to get married is the fact that she was as independent as she was, mm-hmm. and why would she let that go? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so she inhabited that role for as long as I can remember.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, I mean, it sounds like you're describing the church culture that a lot of people grew up with, where Absolutely. women are allowed to, like, yeah. maybe they're allowed to sing. Maybe they're yeah. allowed to take care of Sunday school.
2: And, and to your point, uh-huh. like, their domestic role is very defined by, mm-hmm. by caretaking mm-hmm. and by, by being in the home. My, my mom was, she, the word she used when we had this conversation was bullied by other women in the church because she had a job. Oh wow! Um, and not only because she had a job, but because she sought out education.
1: Yeah, was this idea of gender roles ever like talked about explicitly, or was it just something that you saw around
2: you? I had to have this conversation with my mom. Yeah, um, because we didn't really discuss it. Like, right. I, to to my parents' credit, I mean, I think they just protected me from a lot of the weirdness of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to really go back and reflect. Yeah, um, because because the the other the other thing about that is the The expectations of our church weren't necessarily the expectations my dad had of his wife. Like they didn't have that sort of like you submit to me sort of a relationship. Mm. It was much more um it was it was much more egalitarian than that. So it was it was interesting to be part of a church that that's very much the structure in a home that was not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. The church that I went to in college. I later came to realize was specifically complementarian. Complementarian is a nice way of saying patriarchal, um, although Russell Moore, formerly of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, has in the past explicitly said that we should just use the word, that they, complementarians, should explicitly use the word patriarchy and patriarchal because that is what it is. And calling it complementarianism is a way to soften what it really is. Hell yeah. uh- yeah, you uh. know
0: they just play roles that complement each other, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. now it's patriarchy. Yeah, right.
1: Um, uh, but again, like I went to a church that was—I later realized was explicitly complementarianism—the idea that men and women uh, are limited to different roles, which f- practically plays out in men being leaders and women being invisible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. The thing about that church is that I didn't realize this. First of all, I wasn't primed to realize it because I didn't know it was a thing. Mm -hmm. And then later on, when I did start to realize it, it was never explicitly talked about. It was just kind of like, it was really subtle the ways that this theology was enforced. Absolutely. Like, men were offered the opportunity to lead things more often, or women weren't offered it at all, and Mm -hmm. they didn't even know that was an option. Mm -hmm. You kind of accepted it as normal, and you didn't question it.
2: Right, it's not not ever like women explicitly explicitly being told like this you you can't do this but also not being invited
1: to do. right and also like other more insidious things just like if you never see a woman up there and you're a woman yeah you never you just like you internalize it you internalize, you internalize that. it you yeah. might not even question why that is a thing
2: yeah i have
0: a friend that says that if you're able to see identify and name an oppressive system that system is failing Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how like we end up with the oppressive structures that we have mm-hmm. is because they're so sinister and so covert covert that we don't see it. But we certainly take in the message. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure.
1: I guess we could talk we could go into more about why um, why churches are like this. But I, if episodes where we just like talk about the history of a thing, are like my <laughs> least favorite episodes. So I guess I'll. I just finished a book called um, "The Making of Biblical Womanhood" by Beth Allison Barr. It basically just came out a month ago. Hmm. It's very good, but it basically lays all this out. Basically, what she argues is that um, this idea of um, this the cult of domesticity, like women being required to inhabit certain roles as prescribed by complementarian theology, um, is not ancient. It's it comes out of um, well, it comes out of first of all, patriarchy has always existed in various forms throughout human history. But this specific incarnation of patriarchy as complementarianism comes out of I don't know how much of this. I, I already feel myself <laughs> dropping into the rabbit hole of, of facts and boring stuff. Um,
2: Stay with us for just a moment while we get through this part, everybody.
1: Man, what do I want to say about this?
0: I actually think it's interesting when podcasts give me the history gives really? me the history of things cuz yeah. okay. cuz we exist because of the history yeah. of things and we are where we're at right now because of the history of things sure. without necessarily so it, knowing without knowing yeah. it. So mm-hmm. actually that's my favorite yeah. part of random okay. podcasts. Yeah,
2: give it to us. All right, I'll tr- I'll
1: do my best here. But
0: I was a history major, so. Um,
1: <laughs> okay. So back in back in Jesus times, back in the Roman times. Okay. Uh, men were very explicitly the head of the household. Mm -hmm. Um, So the early Christian church was actually deeply subversive. For instance, when Paul tells husbands and wives to submit to one another or um, the fact that it is indisputable as historical fact that women were church leaders, were uh, deacons, were were prophets and were apostles— paul identifies a female apostle named junia uh, and that and the name junia a female name was translated as junia f- for all of christian history up until the 20th century when certain men started saying What well, women can't be apostles we need to translate this differently and they started translating it as junios um huh. wow um but in any case in the middle ages patriarchy still existed but the idea was that um, women were kind of like lesser men, <laughs> men that hadn't quite made it. This <laughs> you know? is like a Greek, uh, like an Ast- Aristotelian idea or something. Like women are deformed men. Okay. So the path to holiness for women was to was to kind of be like a man. So that's why you have so many saints in the Middle Ages, because there was this way for women to like be be in these powerful positions. Hmm. By like being by by being virgins, by like there are a lot of medieval saints and a lot of great me- medieval women who are leaders <laughs> in the church. Like um, all I
2: can think of is like and dying a horrible death. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, a lot of <laughs> martyrs too. But th- yeah. the fact is, like, there are a lot of like in the Middle Ages. There's like a lot of there's a lot of women running around in ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect, and they're running around doing a lot of stuff, like like being killed, for yeah. instance. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like, well, like, like. Leading armies in the case of, um, well, Joan, same, of Joan
1: of Arc, right? <clears throat> um, and basically, when the Reformation comes, and, and p- the patriarchy still exists, but also like if for in the Middle Ages, like the um, the important the, what the church is trying to emphasize is obedience to the priest, who is the representative of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily want women to listen to their husbands. They want women and men to listen to the priest, okay. so the emphasis is on like, listen to your priest, right. follow Jesus, follow the church. When the Reformation comes around and abolishes the priesthood, basically, um, Luther and those dudes reorient. Spe- very specifically, Luther and his um, and his uh, and his wife Catherine. Yeah. All right. Um,
0: <laughs> that I'm works. Like, yeah. Kathy Luther.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like reorient this thing so that um, all of a sudden, instead of following the priest, everybody is kind of their own priest. um, And women have to follow their husbands.
2: Mm.
0: So
1: it reorients. So the Christian household reorients in that way. And all of a sudden, instead of like virginity being the path to God, motherhood and wifedom is the path to God and obedience to your husband. Then in the 18th century the idea of the biological idea of women changes. Instead mm-hmm. of women being like deformed men, there's becomes this idea that women are the weaker sex. They're like completely different than men. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that like men are strong adventurers and women are angels of the home. <laughs> like it, it's that idea. Yeah. And that idea um Oh, there are all these other weird biological ideas happening in the 18th century, um, but that becomes enshrined in philosophical thought and in theological thought. Mm-hmm. So people are like, okay, if men and women are completely like distinct creatures, basically, who are good at different things, how can we theologize that? Yeah, and that eventually becomes modern day complementarianism, <laughs> like this idea that men and women both reflect the image of God, but Women are supposed to be submissive and serve and follow, and men are supposed to be the authorities and lead. Um, And so you can see this idea morph. Yeah. This is just me summarizing a book. No, this is great. It's
2: like, shout out to patriarchy also for being so malleable. Yeah, precisely.
0: (laughs) Well, I think any system of oppression is malleable in order to survive. Right. Right. You know? So when stuff stop, stops working, yeah, we'll right. something else starts. Yeah.
1: I mean, Alison Barr even quotes Jamar Tisby in this book where she says, like, where she she quotes what he says about how racism, like, mutates, mm-hmm. you know? Similarly, mm-hmm. like, like yeah. patriarchy mutates mm-hmm. in different expressions at different times, but it, it continues to exist. Mm-hmm. So, wow, I just yeah. <laughs> summarized.
0: I definitely took some notes. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was like in a college class. Oh, okay, I'm nice. gonna nice. have to
1: edit myself giving a history lecture.
0: No, I think it's important. Yeah, I, it is. I, help, I it think is. it'll help us. Get I hope a you leave the
2: ice truck okay. in the background too.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be. Now I can't. I really can't edit my. I can't edit anything out because people would be able to tell because the song is gonna skip. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be there the whole time. You know, when you were talking, it made me think about. Um, I, I was thinking a lot about roles and the prescriptive nature of roles in in church and like how like, like how domesticity has all these um, things inside of that, right? There's there's like cooking and cleaning and taking care of children and maybe maybe sewing and and doing some like other craft things. All that kind of like revolve around family and the home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like as I was talking to my mom, I remember her doing those kinds of things. And I'd like, in my mind, I was curious if like, those were things she felt resentful of, because I know these other things about how independent she is.
1: Hmm.
2: But if you're a woman like my mom, who actually enjoyed all those things and was independent, like you're a different kind of pigeonholed. Like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but not for the reasons you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. just, and, and, and also like, just because you enjoy those things doesn't necessarily make make that the model for all women. Mhm. I guess is where I was trying to go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, for sure. I think um
2: I'd hate to say that because you actually enjoy those things like you're you're either like brainwashed or um or that that's that's just because that's how it's supposed to be.
1: Mhm. One of the reasons that I think complementarianism is seductive mm. is because like it touches upon something that I think is true which is that in following Jesus in the kind of anti-hierarchical nature of of Christian of, of our faith where the last shall be first and the first shall be last mm-hmm. and uh, instead of dominating each other we submit to one another like it upends the hierarchy so that the follower is not inferior to the leader you know the, the, submitting does not make you inferior and Mm -hmm. and dominating does not make you superior Mm -hmm. um and i think that's those are things that i believe and agree with i think you get into tricky territory however when you say that a class of people are meant to submit and a class of people are meant to uh lead yeah exactly Uh, yeah then that becomes whether you say that class of people is like white people Mm -hmm. or whether you say that class of people is men
2: um There are problems with that. Mm Yeah. Mm Yeah. And you have to do some amount of mental gymnastics every time you encounter a woman who is successful in her field, is educated, um, is um, probably, probably if they were a man, would be revered, Mm -hmm. um, is all those things and like is sidelined. In the church, the way that she's not sidelined mm-hmm. in the professional sphere, mm-hmm. like you have to, you have to be doing some kind of twisted calculus in your Christian brain to make that work.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean. Beth, you've been pretty quiet. What do you? Yeah,
1: it's weird. For
0: some reason, I'm feeling like I can't. Like every time I have a thought, uh-huh. then you guys start talking about. Oh something no, else, and the I'm patriarchy. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is the worst episode for me.
1: For me, just to mansplain uh, feminism, feminism to Chris, to Chris. while Beth sits quietly in the corner.
0: I was trying out how to say <laughs> guys i don't God. feel like you're making much space for me oh, <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs>
1: you see this is this is patriarchy in it.
0: <laughs> i mean you guys were looking at each other and shit i was like Aw. oh bad. <laughs> i'm going for one week guys and you forget oh, about no. me over here um it's interesting to me how I said this earlier, oppressive systems are always trying to survive like fucking lantern flies or some mm-hmm. shit. that's why they jump like that right. um anyways, so it's always interesting to me when institutions latch on mm. to helping systems survive, mm. and I wonder what the church gains from holding on to this oppressive system yeah. towards women
1: mm-hmm. that's a great question, you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. what
0: what do we actually? benefit from treating women subordinately.
1: Yeah. I mean that's a good question. I and I think the answer to that question is what the what does the church always gain from reinforcing the status quo? Right. Because patriarchy has always been the status quo. Patriarchy has always existed and continues to exist now and I guess we the don't. question for us as being part of the church is what does what has the church gained by holding up by upholding the status quo?
0: Right. And I wonder if it's some political power, right? Mm-hmm. That like mm-hmm. men have always been presidents, men have always been in charge of political things. So subscribing to these patriarchal systems, does it? make us feel like we have a, a stronger hold in mm. the political system but that's shifting now and I think we're also s- seeing this shift where people aren't Christians anymore right like and I think it's because we're thinking that we're benefiting from holding on to these systems but we're definitely not it doesn't I feel that's like there's such point. a generation yeah. of people <clears throat> that are recognizing that these systems are kind of just defunct
1: right like yeah. my like I mean I am ashamed of the fact that Christianity has held on to patriarchy so tightly
0: because it really doesn't make sense it at doesn't this point. like if you go to, if you
1: walk into a church and like and you're not allowed to serve because or you're not allowed to talk or whatever you're not right. allowed to preach because you're a woman that's going to turn people off yeah right? it's not going to be advantageous for you and you're going to be a poor witness for the faith and you're going to damage your own institution like it's not there's no reason to hold on to that
0: mm-hmm.
1: or is there i don't know is there
0: i don't think there is I don't know what they're e- easy be. for
1: us to say us like progressives in the backs in this right. back room in the recording <clears throat> studio of our progressive church.
0: Well, I wonder what it benefited at one point in time, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we lived in a society where only one income was needed, mm-hmm. maybe having this culture of it being acceptable for women not to work and to be in leadership positions <laughs> right. was an accommodation of the times, <laughs> right?
1: I mean I would say that even in today's post me too world disrupting patriarchy is still a disruptive act.
0: Mm-hmm. Usually we don't have to disrupt people just trying not to let us speak in public. Like that's a yeah, weird that's, thing about that the church. Is the church true. is so intense about it. Yeah. yeah. I
1: guess like I don't know.
0: I mean I maybe if there's a complementarian out there that wants to tell us the benefit oh, man, of yeah, it. Be what do
1: we what do you get out of this besides like the fact that you think you're being biblically faithful which is it's, it, it which is Something I mean, we
0: should talk about, I guess. Cuz the Bible has some bullshit in it. Don't you think at least bullshit in the year 2021?
1: I guess we could talk about that. That it could become its own that that could be its own podcast, the the <laughs> kind of What what did Josh Kozad say about the um about the the Bible verses?
0: He said the six Bible verses that are used against yeah, gay people. Yeah, what did he
1: call them though?
0: Oh, did he have a name for the six of them? Yeah. I forget.
1: Oh man, like sledgehammer verses or something. I don't oh, remember. Yeah. I'm probably getting it wrong. But there are, like, verses like that in the New Testament that, mm-hmm. that are used to, uh, you know, 2 Timothy something something when Paul says that he doesn't permit a woman to speak. Right. Um,
0: I think those scriptures served a very specific purpose. I don't think they were intended to last this long. Like, I think that maybe that's what the church is holding <coughs> on to is this, mm-hmm. like, performance of righteousness or this performance of holiness and and staying true to the biblical text. Um, Because I feel like lots of old school Christians will be like, well, what does the Bible say about that? And it's like, well, let's let's work this out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I wonder if people are holding on to complementarianism because it's in the Bible. But I feel like Paul was talking about like really specific people. Like, you know what I mean? He
1: was I mean, he was addressing very specific situations in the church. And in the way that he did that, there are ways that you can read those verses to realize that he was being subversive to the system that he was in. Um, and I always
0: think about how he was talking about specific people. Like us, uh, like Johnny having to say, I need to stop arguing on right. <laughs> on Twitter with other Christians, right? <laughs> that wouldn't mean 2,000 years from now that we can't we can never use argue. Twitter. Yeah,
1: all of a sudden, like Johnny's tweets are canonized. And they <laughs> believe that you should never argue on Twitter with other Christians. <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah,
0: That's what those scriptures always feel like <laughs> right. to me. Yeah.
1: Um. Like, first of all, like, there are, there, are, there, are, there are ways that you can read the context of those verses to realize that Paul may have been addressing a specific situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> even in the way that he was addressing that situation, he might have been more uh, radical or subversive than we're giving him credit for. And also, you have to see those verses in the context of the entire New Testament, mm-hmm. which is that um, women are uh, leaders and apostles and deacons. Right. And, and the way that Jesus is treating women. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that women are like the witnesses to his resurrection Mm -hmm. you know
0: and women are like consistent encouragers of Jesus too like Mm -hmm. I said something to my cell group recently there are a few moments in time where Jesus to me felt like he was kind of functioning in his humanity and women reminded him of his divinity Mm -hmm. so we see that in his first miracle where his mom is like dog the Mm -hmm. wine is out and Jesus is like (laughs) girl that don't have nothing to do with me. We've been planning this wedding for weeks. I'm done. And then she just turns to everybody else and is like, do whatever he says. And he turns <laughs> the water into the wine. Yeah. Like, she knew what he was capable of. She yeah. knew that her son right. could support her. Yeah. And he did. Like, that, That like, yeah. just walk out, like, just do what he says. Mm. Like, she knew what he, she knew she needed to remind him of his yeah. divinity. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like I feel that way with the story with the, um, the woman that he calls a dog. I reference yeah. certain stories a lot. You're
1: right, but like
0: the way she came back at him and kind of spoke to him in the same kind of, I feel like rabbinic way, like mm-hmm. with another question, yeah. reminded him of his righteousness. And yeah. the way he was talking to her was unacceptable. So there are these moments throughout the Bible where you see women kind mm-hmm. of almost pastor Jesus. Yeah. Which,
2: which even... Even if you're of the ilk to, like, take that story about the Canaanite woman and be like, well, Jesus was just testing her. She rose to the challenge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As long as we're
1: telling each other Bible stories about women and Jesus. I I wanted to bring this up because it's been significant to me. Maybe I'll just cut this out. After Jesus rises (laughs) from the dead and uh, Mary, um, Mary of Bethany or Mary Magdalene, she's in the garden and she's crying. And then Jesus does that thing he does after he rises from the dead which is like not tell people he's <laughs> <laughs> which is so rude he's like playing a prank on all his disciples
0: <laughs> he's punking all <laughs> he's his disciples all his disciples
1: like, trying, to, trying to hold in his laughter as he's like what's
0: up what's wrong <laughs> and then Ashton Kutcher runs out <laughs> yeah. You've
1: been um, but she's like crying in the garden because his body is gone and she thinks he's the gardener so he's like why are you crying and she's like they've taken my lord they've taken his body Mm-hmm. And then he like he breaks character and he goes, Mary and she says, Rabbi. She says, she's He's a teacher. And then she hugs him. And then he says, Um, don't hold on to me yet. Don't hold on to me. Go tell go tell Peter and the apostles mm-hmm. that I'm back. Yeah. Like he sends her, he picks her mm-hmm. to preach to the apostles, which mm-hmm. is why Mary mm-hmm. Magdalene is called the apostle to the apostles.
0: Mm.
1: He picks a Ooh, woman that's a
0: good word. I never thought of that. Yeah.
1: He picks a and he's woman. He's gonna edit that out? No. Who, In this culture, they are seen as unreliable witnesses who cannot testify in court. And he makes her tell his disciples that he's back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, Jesus
0: charged women and, like, depended on women left and right in the Bible. He did. And I think that's why I never have understood these gender roles. And even you all's conversation, I think that's actually part of the reason why I was being quiet Mm -hmm. was because I'm, like, trying to take in this information Mm because I'm just not— it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And it's not something that I grew up with. So I'm actually trying to, like, yeah. come to a conclusion. And I I just think it's really biblically unsound.
1: I definitely agree with you. Um, but I'm also thinking about ways that I have had to undo like unbiblical ways of thinking in myself mm-hmm. and patriarchal ways of thinking in myself yeah. in the way that, I mean, I... The way a lot of men do, I guess. Like, I feel like a lot of times I am less patient, or maybe am more willing to listen to a man, and I have <laughs> yeah. to check myself. We might
2: just we might just chuck you out of the whole conversation about <laughs> or this, or like how we were just talking
1: over you, for instance, holy shit. or like earlier, or early in the podcast when you were like, <laughs> "Guys, I feel like you cut me off a lot,"
0: <laughs> and we right. had to be like, "Yeah, sorry." Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah.
1: So I I, I want to transition us into this. There are people for whom. Equality, um, and gender roles, are a political issue and a distraction. Mm. Similar to the way we're often told that our focus on race and racism is somehow a distraction to the mm-hmm. gospel. Mm-hmm. You're talking about how these stories of how Jesus interacts with women is inspiring to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess my question here is: Do I mean we we probably agree that in some way this idea of dismantling patriarchy is part of the gospel for us, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So I guess the question is like, how and why?
2: Hmm.
0: How do we dismantle the patriarchy and why within the church? Or like, why
1: do we think this is relevant to our work in the Why are we talking about on this podcast? What does this have to do with race and faith?
2: Well, I'm definitely going to go first.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Actually go first because when you brought in race, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, why are we talking about this? I think... Mm -hmm. I think any sort of intersection of prejudice Mm. is relevant to a fight towards liberation. So I think gender dynamics and racial racial dynamics that are harmful are inseparable from each other mm. because both of those support the system of white supremacy mm-hmm. like to be an ideal white in this country to be the main person that has power is to be a christian to be straight to be male and to be um white you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. so everybody who is not all four of those things is fighting for that same access and that fa- same humanity and that same liberation mm-hmm. so i guess I say all that to say this conversation about gender roles is important if we're working towards the liberation that Jesus is calling us to. If one of us isn't liberated, then none of us are. Yeah,
2: that's really true of the church. Like, looking at these early leaders, these women who, like, we owe the proliferation of the church to, and we're still limiting the capacities Mm -hmm. of women, which are, like— our limitations they're not gods mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's that's the weird gymnastics we're always having to do mentally mm-hmm. like to to limit our imagination when like people women are like predisposed to these gifts that are just outside of our definitions of what they're able to do mm-hmm. well, what do
0: we do with that mm-hmm.
2: yeah like that's that's limiting the capacity of the church mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah for sure and
1: I, I Speaking to what you're talking about, Beth, in terms of how part of the gospel over and over again is this idea of upending supremacy, mm-hmm. of upending the, the supremacist structures of the world, yeah. which exists in our time most consistently as white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it means, like, we take a look at what are the dominating hierarchies of our cultural situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we say, how does Jesus turn this upside down? How yeah. does Jesus dismantle that? Mm-hmm. Um so I think, I mean, the question for us as we look around and see this a society dominated by patriarchy is that we have to ask that same question: How do we how do we take this apart? Because that is that is the gospel. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jesus redeems us from this dominating way of living. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I think we do that by looking at Jesus directly and looking at how he lived his life kind of like we what we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. all those scenarios in which jesus trusted women and Mm -hmm. charged women to carry out his his gospel Mm -hmm. i think that's like example number one right that dismantles it Mm.
1: you know i i can say that like for for you and me chris cisgendered men um, there is probably, there, there, is undi- there is like internal work that we have to do, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. curious about which, like, what we, and we you could, guys
0: both looked at me like, sorry. We, could, <laughs> we did. Uh, <laughs> and we could like beat up on ourselves, <laughs>
1: obviously. But I, here's what I'm kind of curious about. Um, in certain, uh, I wish I could cite the theologian, but in certain types of feminist theology, the idea is that men and women actually have different types of sin. And for women, Often the sin of of women in feminist theology is the 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 tendency to have made yourself smaller. Yeah. The tendency to conceal yourself or to or to hide <clears throat> or to um or to yield mm-hmm. instead of living into your full humanity. Mm. Um.
0: Oh, I wish you could give me the theologian because now I want to look into that. Okay. Because I identify with that. I All feel right. like I'm always making myself smaller whether it's to be Mm -hmm. acceptable to white women or whether it's to be acceptable and palatable to men. Like in order to survive, I always have to shrink. Mm -hmm. At least that's what it feels like to me.
1: Yeah, and that was my question for you. Like, does that idea resonate with you?
0: Yeah, I feel like even in uh, personal relationships, like with my ex, it's been, oh, tomorrow's our two-year anniversary. I'm breaking up. I've been free (laughs) for two years. Wow. Um. I feel like he became so resentful of me because of my independence. Mm -hmm. And I feel that in... Yeah, I can think of another ex one time that said to me, "You think you always think you know so fucking much." Like this idea of that's how we talk to each other. I also <laughs> that wasn't abusive. Yeah, I also you know okay. matched with him on Bumble recently and oh. just told him "fuck you." <laughs> 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 and then I had to put so much effort into it because we matched, but I didn't see it in 24 hours. Oh, so then I had to pay seven. I paid 7.99. Wow! For a one-week subscription, just so I could rematch with him and message him, fuck you. So, <laughs> oh
1: my gosh, that's amazing.
0: It's an eight-dollar fuck you. Yeah, it was worth it. The that price was of a good beer, every penny. Because wow, I'm I'm blocked on text message, so I had to resort okay. to Bumble. But if you know you had to block me, why would you match with me on Bumble? Mm it's his fault you know victim blaming a little bit (laughs) so i (laughs) so bps you owe me me eight (laughs) dollars but i think of those scenarios and how resentful men have been of me for my independence Mm. um And for my ability to navigate situations, I also feel like men are particularly resentful of me because I'm not who they assumed me to be. I felt that way with my ex, and I oftentimes feel that way on dating apps. Mm. I think because I present as... And not to be vain, but, like, I'm an attractive woman. I wear a lot of makeup. I always look good. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm vain. Yeah. My mom's vain. The women in my family are just vain. We pay <laughs> a lot of attention to our looks. And I think because I present so femininely and kind of like a pretty girl, I don't think men expect me to have much depth. Mm-hmm. And then when I do, I think they expect to be able to easily manipulate and control me. Yeah. And then when they start having a conversation with me, it goes left quickly mm. oh, like man. men get really angry with me wow. yeah yeah uh-huh. yeah because it's like how dare you not be what i thought you were gonna be bitch right. <laughs> like it's like, right. like real it's anger yeah. yeah so yeah i totally identify with the idea of shrinking because sometimes i'm like this is kind of dangerous mm-hmm. i think i don't know this man i don't know if he's safe or not so let me shrink and uh. like yeah you're gonna yell hey sexy at me whatever i guess like you know that's fine. Or I think it would be hard for me to accept it in a ch- having to shrink in a church scenario just because we're in community and we're sure. family. Mm-hmm. So you need to be seeing me. Right. But like in the rest of the world, I do feel like the world refuses to see me for yeah. real. Right. I feel unseen all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think part of that is people not seeing me and me electing to shrink.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to Chris's point, like, what you're saying about how the church is depriving itself of uh, the the gifts of a lot of gifted individuals. Yeah. Um, I think also connects to Beth's point in the sense that there are things about God that we can only learn from the experiences of the marginalized. Yes. Of black women, for instance, in womenist theology. There are experiences that that we have as minorities <clears throat> that those who exist in these supremacist structures don't have access to. Mm -hmm. And when those voices are silenced, Mm -hmm. you lose something about God. Um, Yes, you do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you lose a complete understanding of God. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think, this is complicated, and I'm like, is the vodka making this come out? (laughs) But I kind of almost think of God as being malleable, Mm -hmm. like shifting to almost like, shifting in a way to nourish us and to supply us with our needs. Absolutely. So there are different ways that you, like sometimes I pray to God and I kind of picture my dad. And sometimes uh, sometimes I pray to like a more feminine God, like a Shekinah uh, mm-hmm. spirit that is more nurturing and like caring to me. And I am, almost imagine myself in like God's bosom. Yeah. So I kind of think of God that way. And if I only had the framework of a God that, would never be a woman because women are subordinate. Right. I I feel like I would miss uh, being nourished in a yeah. particular way.
2: Yeah, for sure. Beth, um. Beth kind of just summed up like every fight I think I have with my wife. <laughs> like those dynamics of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Like when we're talking about like how patriarchy shows up. Mm-hmm. My goodness. like
0: It defines us. A lot
2: of, a lot of mm-hmm. what I feel so passionate about in, in moments of, fury with Janine a fury that she never expresses to me at the same level that I do with her which mm-hmm. is like another expression of like patriarchy and, yeah. and masculinity mm-hmm. like i get so upset mm-hmm. and then i like like in contrast to the actual offense or like interpreted offense you know that that's that's a whole thing and i th- and i think that yeah that's kind of where i want to leave it it's like i get so much angrier than her and i think that's one mm-hmm. of the ways mm-hmm. Where it's really palpable for me.
0: And that's one of the ways that men are allowed to show emotion, right? Yeah. So that's probably the only thing you <clears throat> are socialized to anger. access. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Whereas, sure. like, maybe your feelings are hurt. Like, damn, it feels like right. you don't see me and my feelings are hurt. And, it shows up and as anger. And what comes up
2: mm-hmm. right at the top is yep. just yeah.
0: fury. Yep.
1: Right. Yeah, so it's not just about – so in terms of when we're talking about dismantling patriarchy – like for us it is a dismantling patriarchy means dismantling these toxic ways of being taught of what we're what we are and are not allowed to express ourselves the roles we are and are not allowed to play yes um yeah so i i totally connect to what you're saying Mm -hmm.
0: maybe it looks like tapping into your feminine you know what i mean like (laughs) in order to be met by god both as like a feminine being the possibility of of them being a feminine being or being a masculine being, or sometimes I try to use they, them pronouns for God and Mm -hmm. just have them be non-binary. But like for us to really fully Mm. be met by God, maybe it looks like us being a little malleable as well. For
2: sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, And to your point, like, as you were saying that I was thinking about like the work our church has done to shift gendered language about God. So if it's, if it's not neutral, like, it's just as often we're talking about God as a woman she, her, than, as yep. a, than as a man. And I struggle to, like, say she when talking about God. That's still, like, a really hard thing for me to, like, say, even though, like, I embrace the idea. There's even just, like, hmm. there's there's a little bit of, like, an edge to that for me.
0: I think there is for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mm. saying all of this like, I don't get it, but actually I do actually really struggle. I'll yeah. say they, them before I'll say she, her. Mm. That's interesting. really interesting. I need mm. to examine that. Yeah. I feel like we're all having moments where yeah. we're like, oh shit, we still have work to do. And uh-huh. and
2: like, I hope, I mean, that's that's what I hope we're bringing to people. Like, yeah, let's keep working this out.
0: Yeah. And yeah. what do I benefit from that? What, right? what do I get out of yeah. thinking of God that way that? They could never be a she.
2: Right. Even mm-hmm. though, like, God's gone to great lengths to make most of the people in the world women.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, okay. Are we okay leaving it there? Yeah. I think so. It's All pretty right. good. Great. So the last thing we like to do is talk about whatever we're into this week. Uh, Beth, do you want to kick us off?
0: Sure. So on my drive to Connisville, Pennsylvania two weeks ago, I can't – time flies. Um. I listened to an audiobook because that's the only way I can read. I get too distracted to hold a book. Um, and I listened to um, a, a compilation of essays that were put together by Tarana Burke and Brene Brown. It was beautiful. I think I cried the entire four hours that I drove wow. because the essays just really moved me. There was one by Austin Channing Brown. There was one by Mark Lamont Hill. And I nice. somehow... Uh, all of the essays resonated with me in some way. Um, so the book is called "You Are Your Best Thing: Vulnerability, Shame, Resilience, and the Black Experience." It's beautiful. It's wonderful, and it's it inspired me to write the essay that I wrote. Um, and I highly suggest it to everybody.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I um, I guess the thing I'm really into is one book, one Philadelphia, which is um. This really cool thing that the Free Library of Philadelphia does, where it chooses an author and a book every year, um, and makes lots and lots of copies of them available to the public, so like the whole city can be reading the same book. Oh, that's cool. I actually don't take part in it most years, but I am I'm reading the Tradition by Jericho Brown this year, which is the which is the book um jericho brown is uh is a black author i don't know much about jericho brown um and it, i'm gonna say i think because i just i just started it but i think it's a collection of poetry
0: oh wonderful yeah yeah
2: it's it's this great idea yeah it gets us reading together mm-hmm. as a city um and i don't ever read poetry i i don't i don't know if i would have chosen if i I'd, if i'd have known off the bat that it was poetry but i'm gonna do it i'm and gonna
0: white's gonna hear this and like i know he doesn't have a grave to roll over in because he's alive, but if he wasn't, he would be rolling yeah. over in his grave.
2: And like when I'm reading this, I am thinking about Ben and his love for poetry. That's actually yes. that's that's part of what's propelling me to just like keep checking it out. Awesome.
1: Um I am into um uh I'm into two things. I'm into um, a podcast from WNYC called The Experiment, specifically two episodes about evangelicalism. Mm. The second part of it, they interview the rapper Lecrae and where he talks about his faith crisis and his um, distancing from evangelicalism after evangelicalism went hard for Donald Trump. <laughs> and how, like, the, the series is generally about, like, the history of evangelicalism and its relationship to the Republican Party. But, like... Lecrae gives a really good interview about how, like, this crisis of faith that he went through and this these decisions that he made to distance himself from that expression of Christianity mm-hmm. and how he, like, lost tons of, like, followers um, mm-hmm. and how he dealt with that and how he almost lost his faith. Uh, so I was really into that series of podcasts. The other thing I'm into is... Um, Beth's blog post. Yes, yeah. Beth's blog post from her from her blog on runawayadultblog.wordpress.com <coughs> called "The Earth Honors the Black Woman," which was just a beautiful um, essay <laughs> about gar- about your experience gardening during COVID time and that your like the the connection of the earth to the to black women specifically. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I want to read this passage: "The Earth, just like the black woman, cannot be contained." It persists, it lives, it seeks freedom, demands it, and even takes it. She returns like a perennial to take up space. She breaks through barriers and cracks in the ground to taste the sweetness of the sun. She is a vine that spreads her legacy.
0: That was incredible. (laughs) Oh. bag when i wrote that y'all
1: <laughs> that was really good <laughs> yes
0: i was like james baldwin would be so proud
1: <laughs> i was into that i really thanks. liked that it was really yes. it was very beautifully written
0: thank you i um, feel very proud of that essay yeah, for everyone should go
1: read it it's very good um so uh special thanks to jared selby who does our theme song also to uh luke bartolomeo our website manager and tess patino our social media goddess um joe mahoney is our audio engineer
0: and I will not be replaced, so I'm saying it this week. But um, if you're interested in talking to us about how you're navigating race and faith, hit us on colorcorrectionpodcast.com. Let us know what you're thinking and how you're feeling and how you're navigating Jesus following and anti-racism. And with that being said, Andrew Yang,
2: okay,
0: stay black, Little Mermaid. I grew up in a household with no alcohol because, like, I feel like I do. I mean, Beth, the
2: shit you drink sometimes, it's like, yeah, this totally makes sense. You are rebelling against your parents. It has to be that. It has to be. I'm like, like, cranberry moscato is not a thing you drink as a 30 year old unless you've got some issues with your mom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I won't be is insulted, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> Cranberry Moscato. I only,
2: I only delicious. say these kinds of things because I know we're recording right now. <laughs> <laughs>